Welcome to the Let's Break Bread podcast. This is Eli. This is my new. And this season, we will be inviting Christian leaders and teachers to join us to talk about things that matter to many young adult Christians today. We hope these conversations will encourage, challenge, and inspire your faith and your walk with the Lord. We also encourage you to continue these conversations within your local church. You can find us on Instagram at Let's Break Bread. Friends, let's break bread together. Come invited and listen in on gospel-centered conversations. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Let's Break Bread podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking about loving and serving the local church with youth pastor April Sparks. So April, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and share with us a little bit about what you do? Uh, sure. Yeah. My name is April. Um, I work as a youth and children's uh, director at a church in Kalamazoo. Um, and I've been there for two years and I really love it. And I'm excited for more years. Um, Yes, that's a little bit about me and my ministry. Cool, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And like always, we want to start our conversations with Jesus and the gospel and how he enters and shapes our lives. So this is from a quote from Tim Keller. Love Tim Keller. Um, and the question goes, if the gospel is that you are more sinful than you ever thought you were and are more loved than you ever dreamed you could be, when was the gospel first good news to you and how is it still today? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so I grew up in the church, but I think when the gospel became good news to me, um, when I really like understood it and got it, I was in eighth grade. Um, and over the years, I learned that I wasn't good enough and that I wasn't valuable. Um, so I had like this secret hate towards myself. Um, but then one day Romans 5, 8 um, just clicked in my head that uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so for me, it was, wow, while I hated myself, why I didn't value myself, God loved me. Um, so that was really cool. Um, but I think it's still good news to me today because it's not just about me. It's about God's kingdom and God's life and God's peace and how we see in the Bible of how he, how Jesus uh, fights for and loves those that we like to push off to the side. And that's what the good news is today, that that is what the kingdom of God is all about. Um, it's not about me, but it's about who Christ is and his love and his life. And we get to see that um, by the way people live. And yeah, so that's really cool. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit about um, what that faith journey has looked like and also with what God has been revealing to you. Um, as you continue in your walk with him. So into the body of a conversation about loving and serving the local church. April, can you just maybe like tell us what is the church and why does God love her? And why do we, you know, as Christians need to love her too? Uh, yeah. Uh, so when I first heard that question, I was like, oh, huh, that's an interesting way of asking that. But I really like that of why does God love the church? Um, so first, I would say that the church, the capital C church, the global church, um, is a community of believers who have said that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and they live that way, and they live out the kingdom in that way. And that, I think, to answer the question of why does God love the church comes from a place of who God is. It comes from his character, um, that he is love, and that he loves us, and that he created us, first of all, out of his perfect love. And he calls us into a relationship with him, a special, unique relationship with him, um, which is really cool because it's all based out of his love about uh, the global church, um, the people who 
say that he is Lord and live that way in their lives in bringing the kingdom. Um, and I think for us to love the church is so important because it's not just about myself and God, but it's about us together and that we're in this together in a way where we get to say, uh, like, God loves us because we are his bride. We are the body of Christ and we are part of one another and we get to encourage each other and we get to be part of that and live out the kingdom of God together. Sweet. I really like that imagery of this togetherness, this um, one bodiness that you share with us. Cause I think a lot of times we kind of have like this really almost no strings attached relationship with church. You know, we kind of go to church and we kind of do our thing for like three hours and we go home and do whatever we want. Um, and so you kind of touched on the difference between what the church universal is and the local church. Um, but I'd like to ask the question like, you know, like I think a lot of us don't really understand what church is about and why it's an integral part of the Christian life. And could you share with us what that has looked like in your life? Yeah, so I think that uh, to go off a little bit on that, is that sometimes we confuse um, the big C capital church, global church and the local church. Um, and I think a main difference is that the local church is simply a local gathering of believers coming together to praise God and to edify each other and to serve their community with um, a heart for God. Um, and so I think I've seen that in my life, uh, not only growing up in the church, but now being part of a church and serving in that way of that it is, it's important because we're, uh, to quote a good movie, a high school musical, we're all in this together. <laughs> um, but also Paul speaks of that in the New Testament of how we are one body through Christ and we're united and we're called to edify each other. And I think I've seen that uh, played out in a huge way of that. Yeah, we're here to worship God together. We're here to gather in this space or in this home uh, to worship God, to edify each other, to encourage each other, to learn more about who God is. And because of what God is doing in us, we then respond and live out the kingdom uh, in our cities and in our neighborhoods and in even our own families. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so in your experience, what are some misconceptions that you have encountered or have had experiences about the church? Um, I think the biggest one that I've encountered is that, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Um, you know, we don't actually love Jesus. We're failed. We're sinful as well. We're no better than anyone else. And I think that definitely has weight and truth behind it. I mean, sometimes we really do suck at loving Jesus and loving others. Uh, sometimes we fail in that way. But I think it's important to remember that uh, Jesus is the one who is transforming our hearts and the spirit is leading us to be more like him. And so we're going to have days where we miss the mark, but it's about are we still coming together to edify each other, to build each other up? Uh, to love each other, to weep with each other, to rejoice with one another, uh, to be faithful in praying, um, to seek interest of others, and to be united because of who Christ is. Um, yeah, so I think that's a big one that I've experienced. Uh, just the hip cop, I can't speak. Um, people not doing what they're actually saying that they are doing. And going off of that, do Christians need the local church and why? Yeah, I would say we absolutely need the local church. Um, one, simply because we can't actually gather with the capital C church altogether. Um, and so the local church provides us a place where not only where we can be heard and loved, but where we can also encourage each other, where we can dig into God's word together, where we can challenge each other. 
Um, and I think it's absolutely important. Um, like we're made for relationships and friendships and mentorships and we're made to walk with each other, to be there for each other because of who Christ is, because of what he has done. But I think it's really easy to say that we don't need the church because, you know, I can be in the Bible or I can pray or I can do these other things and have my own time with God. But without that community, we're missing out what the kingdom of God really is and what the good news is of how Jesus not only died on the cross, but rose from the grave uh, to bring us into a relationship with him. And we get to experience that, I think, the most when we're part of a church community, when we're part of a community of believers that have that same faith and that same mindset who want to share God's love and peace with others and grace. Yeah, and I think... Now I'm, I think I'm just rambling, but yeah, I would definitely say we definitely need the local church and the body of Christ. I think I really resonate very deeply um, with what you had to share about how we were made for connection. We were made for connection. We were made for, you know, experiencing Jesus and being edified together. Um, because I know that myself, like I have to like, I have to repent of this, but like there is so many times when I, I'm just like, I don't want to go to church. You know, like I could just do this whole like me and Jesus against the whole world and the world includes his church, you know, um, like that kind of mentality, which which is really not helpful for for sanctification or for for anything. It's not even helpful for like just like living my day to day life, you know, um, <laughs> but I think that's such a that's such a manifestation of our Western American individualism that says, you know, I get to decide um, how my faith goes. If if church to me is a day out in the woods, that's church to me, or if church to me is laying in bed all day and then waking up and reading my Bible, you know, um, I can do what I want. But what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, there's a very real importance of gathering with other people. And I think that's so important for us to remember as, as Christians living in a world that says, you don't have to do what other people tell you because you know what's best for you. But the Bible tells us that, no, we're actually terrible masters of ourselves, you know? Um, and that I think, and just in my own life, like, man, how many times have I perpetuated sin and sinfulness because of me being completely absorbed in the idea of, I know better, you know? Um, because in isolation, I might thrive fairly well, but I'm going to miss a lot of really important parts of, of the edification process of being made more like into Christ because no one's going to be sharpening me. And I don't think I'll be able to sharpen anyone else. I'll probably become very coarse, you know? Um, so just before we move on to the next question, like, I guess, I know you work with youth. I know you work with children. I know you work with families. So how has this pandemic been for just your local context and the way you guys do or imagine church? And I'm putting this in quotation marks for anyone who can't see it, you know? Uh, great question. Um, yeah, uh, this pandemic, uh, COVID-19 has had a huge impact on my church. Um, we shut down as most churches did and tried all virtual. And the first couple of weeks, like it was great. Like people wanted to be together, um, but Zoom meetings aren't as attractive the further you go into the year. Um, and so there was a lot of disconnect, there was a lot of isolation and feeling like we're alone. And yeah, and so that's been hard. I've seen that not only in my students and my families, but also in myself of missing my church family, of missing my body to engage with, to worship God with, which I think has really opened my eyes even more of how important 
a community is of being able to have people where we can, yes, praise God, but where we can also weep and where we can cry and where we can lament and where we can encourage each other and where we can learn how to serve those around us and to love them truly with God's love. So yeah, it's, it's been a battle, but it's also been an eye opener of how important the church is, the local church is, and why we should be gathering, even if we can't gather in a building um, and what that means. In one of uh, my youth groups, we were talking about how sometimes sports or other things get in the way and we choose those things over attending church, which is so easy to do. And the point that I was trying to make is that, yeah, it's okay if we miss church, like that's okay. But where else in the week are you going to connect with that community? Where else are you going to connect with God and with a body of believers who also love God and who want to encourage you and walk with you as together you learn how to love God and to live out his kingdom here and now. Yeah, so it's, it's been an interesting year to say the least, um, but God is still faithful and that's been cool to see that we can still connect in other ways. Right. Um, so I have to be honest, like my gut to that last thing you said, I was just like, hmm, what is she saying that, you know, um, could you like, I think because like one of the hardest things for me is just reimagining church, you know, in this time. Um, so could you like, could you help us just kind of tangibly think about, you know, that whole like, where else are you meeting with people? You know, where else are you like gathering to worship, be with God, with other people? Like, what might that look like? Or what has that looked like for you? So like, to clarify a little bit, like, attending Sunday morning service, like, it's not a requirement. And it's not something that we should feel like it's a chore to do. Um, so out of that, like, if we're choosing not to gather in that way, in that way, that's already created and provided for us, then how else are we engaging with that community and encouraging them and worshiping God together? Um, and so for me, that has looked like uh, joining a few other adults from my church and going on walks together, and just sharing um, time with each other, sharing our lives with each other. Um, with me and my students, it means reaching out to them more and checking in to see how they're really doing and just wanting to listen to them and care for them. Uh, it can also mean maybe having a family or two over in this time and having that church community, that church faith in this way of being together, of sharing a meal together. Yeah, so there's all sorts of different ways. I think we get stuck on that the church has to be in a building and it has to have certain traditions and certain aspects to it. But ultimately, the church is a body of believers. It's the bride of Christ who say that Christ is Lord and we love him. And this is how we're going to live because we love him and because we want his kingdom and his goodness to be known. And so that doesn't always have to be the set same thing over and over, but it can be small group gatherings. It can be going to the park and listening to worship music together or playing music together as a way to be together and to encourage each other and to have that faith body around us. And just to go off of that, like you said, you know, the local church is important and it's especially crucial for Christians so that we can connect with others and edify one another. Why do you think we should be involved in local churches, right? Because it's one thing to attend and then it's mm -hmm. another thing to be involved. And so uh, a couple questions. Why do we need to be involved in local church and how do we get involved, especially during a pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the question. Um, yeah, so first to address like the how do why should we be involved in the church? Why is it enough to say like, okay, I attended like I know what's her face who always sits next to me. Uh, why should we actually be involved? And I think we should be involved because one, like we can't just have this idea that church is about me. It's about what I can get from it. 
It's about who God is. It's about who is God? Are we showing up as people of God? Are we saying God is the creator and savior? Um, is that being lived out in our lives, in our homes, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, at our workplace? And so we should be involved because it's about coming together and like building that trust, I would say, um, with this community of, okay, we're learning together. We're not perfect. We're not going to be, uh, but God is leading us and we're growing together. And so I think being involved in like serving in a church is really important because one, it builds relationships between you and others. Uh, it, two, it can help you build your relationship with God as you're surrounded with, a pe with people who want to love God as well. And then three, I would say that it's important to be involved in the church because again, like the church is not me and Jesus. It's a whole collective group who choose that Jesus and believe that Jesus is savior um, and how that shows up. And it's about being in that relationship with Christ because of what he has done for us. Um, and so being involved is a way that we get to live into the kingdom of God where we are equipped to then live out the kingdom of God and our lives and other aspects. Do we need to commit to one church? And why is that important? Yeah, that's a huge one. Um, yeah, I think committing to a church is hugely important. And, um, and I would say it's important because part of the local church, like part of the beauty of it is that we get to gather with these people. We get to see them in face, or maybe not right now with a pandemic, but we get to be with them. We get to know their hearts. We get to weep with them. We get to rejoice with them. And if we're not committing to a church, I think we can feel isolated and we can feel that, you know, maybe we don't belong. Um, but the beauty of the local church and the big capital C church is this community, this community in Christ, this unity uh, with each other and this union with God, this special huge union that we get to be part of. Um, so committing to a church is saying that, okay, these are the believers that I'm going to walk with, that I'm going to let know who I am, that we're going to struggle together, that we're going to rejoice together, and that we're going to pray together. To make this analogy a little bit, it would kind of be like if you were dating someone and you're like, oh, wow, this person is really great and cool. But also, like, I think I'm going to keep looking around and see who else is cool out there. Like you can't build trust that way. You can't get to know each other. You can't grow together and point to God in that. So that's why I think committing to a church is important for Christians to do. Yeah. Why do you think some people are afraid to commit to a church? Oh man, that's a good question. I think because it can be scary. It can be scary to be like, okay, this is my community who I'm going to walk with, who I'm going to struggle with, who I'm going to praise God with. Um, I think it's also easy to be like, oh, well, if I'm not committed, then I don't have to be involved, then I don't have to serve. And I can kind of put church on, you know, the back, like, yeah, you know, I go maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. And I can say that I'm a Christian and that, you know, the community is important to me, but there's life is so busy that it's just easier to not commit and to not feel like we're obligated. And I think that's another reason why we don't want to commit to a church, why we don't want to commit to uh, a body of believers, because it does take work. It's hard sometimes. And I think sometimes too, like we've been hurt by a church in some way, or you've seen a church fail in some way where they didn't live up to God's love and to who God is. And that's painful. Why would we want to experience that again? But I think 
we really do us an injustice when we don't commit, when we say, well, we don't need them or we don't need this body to walk with. Because again, that's not how Jesus created us. That's not how he calls us to live. Yeah, I really like that a lot. I just want to point to how much I appreciate your candor in saying some of us have been hurt by a church body, you know, because that it's true. Like we are broken people. We are saved by God, but we're not perfect. And, you know, broken people do broken things. And I don't want to make it sound like it's like some kind of Christian, like Christianese on a canvas or t-shirt thing, <laughs> um, you know, like broken people do broken things. But like, I mean, it's true. Um, but in a sense, it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of hurt that comes from church walls, once again, in quotation marks, um, and, and, and worshiping bodies. And I think that hurts a lot of people with a lot of fear of like, oh, like, if these are the people who talk about this infinitely loving God who, who saves people, but they don't love people, is this God real? Like, you know, I've noticed, like, I've met a lot, of, like, a lot of my friends who have stepped away from church or even Jesus like stepped away, not because they didn't love Jesus, but because they just couldn't fathom how people who could love Jesus could blatantly not love him or his people, you know? And, and I don't know, like, this is such a part of like where I wrestle, where it's just like, I don't want to be like, well, that's not every, I don't, I don't want to do the cop out. Like, well, that's not all Christians. That's not all churches. You know, it's like, we don't claim them. Like, well, like we are bought by the same blood. We don't get to claim them. Jesus already did. You know, um, April, like, I guess how you say, like, you know, we live in a world that's very obvious. Like we're very, like, we're very polarized. We're very torn right now. Yeah. Um, and, and the church has this intrinsic or inherent unity in the blood of Jesus, but there's also people in the body of the church that has hurt other people in the body of the church, you know, of the bride of Christ. How do you think we could start taking steps towards, you know, a more real oneness and unity and not have like this cheap unity of being like, we just don't talk about things. Um, well, first, just to address what you said too, of how, you know, the church has not always done a good job. Like the local church has not done a good job at loving others, at loving God we've missed the mark. Um, and so just to address that a little bit, like sadly, like the local church will fail and we've seen it fail and it probably will fail. Like local churches will fail and they'll miss the mark, which is super sad. But an encouraging thing is, is that the capital C church, the global church, uh, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, God's not forsaking his bride. God's not leaving his bride. God's not forgetting his bride, but God is at work and God is faithful he will reign forever. And I think that's really cool. But also like with the local church, like, yeah, sometimes we really suck at loving others. Like we've seen that in history and we see that even now. But I, one of the things that has been super encouraging to me is to dig into scripture and to be reminded that the way that we see local churches are sometimes is not how they're called to be. It's not what they were created for, but it's our sinfulness. And not to just say like, oh, psh, whatever, like we're all sinners. Um, but it's been encouraging to me that this is not how it's supposed to be. And I have friends too who are like, well, how can I believe in God if this community is living in this way that doesn't seem to be God honoring? And that's super hard to deal with. But again, like that's not how the church is supposed to be. We have so much area for growth and for learning. And so then to address the next piece of, how do we start living with that real unity 
that we are one in Christ. And that's a big challenge. That's a big question, as you said. But I think honestly, like without it being a cop-out answer, I think we need to be more faithful in praying and not praying, you know, that this church or that church does this, but praying for the capital C church, praying for the bride of Christ, praying for truly praying God's kingdom to be to come and to be done on earth in our hearts and our families and our cities and our governments. And so I think that's a first big step that we need to take because I don't think we have been praying. Um, but then to talk a little bit more of how else we can have that unity. One thing that God has really placed on my heart, especially in this crazy chaotic world right now, is this idea that one, we need to be in a place where we can listen to each other, where we can listen because we love each other because of Christ. And so while I might not agree with everything, I'm going to listen because of what Christ is doing in my heart, because he is ultimately number one in my life. And he then leads me on how to live. And again, that's a cop-out answer, I think. It's like, well, yeah, we can listen, but there's so much more disunity and there's so much more fakeness of like, well, let's just be united and agree. Um, And so I think it's a complicated thing for sure. I don't have the answer. But I don't think that should mean that we stop trying or that we stop praying or that we stop seeking God. I think honestly, for me, a lot of times seeking this unity, this real unity in Christ is asking God to humble me, even in the harshest of ways of saying, God, I've been wrong. I've hurt others. I've been ignorant. Correct me, you know, and that's a painful thing. But I think that's an important thing for us to do. So I'm hearing repentance, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, like repentance is so crucial, like, and that's so important. Like, I think that's a part, like, I hate repenting, you know, like, is that, is that, is that can I say that? I said it, it's too late, I just said it. But you know, it's like repentance, it's confession and repentance is such an intrinsic and integral part of the Christian life. And I think like you, you hit it, like where it's like, God, please humble me in the places where it's going to really hurt, but it really will matter. Um, because like you said, like there are ways that we hurt people. There are ways where we are disunited. We are not united because of our prejudices and the ways that we hurt people and the systems that we allow to hurt people because we benefit from them. So I really want to say I appreciate your your candor and your openness to sharing that because that is super hard. And I and I just love it because like you said, God has not forsaken his church. God loves his bride so much. And he is making us more like the bride that he will have in fullness and in purity and in innocence, but never in naivety, you know, in refinedness. Um, and I think that's the great part. Yeah, I also just want to add about the whole repenting thing, right? I think it's important, especially at at a local level to, yeah, do that with you and God in prayer, but also to do that with each other. And I think that is so hard to do. But I like what you said and how that is something that needs to happen in the local church. So yeah, definitely like the idea of that happening within a community as well. Like how powerful would that be? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think like if we all really bought into this whole repentance thing it would be so powerful you know like imagine all like imagine all the times I'm just like Eli imagine all the times that 
you would have to repent of the ways in which you looked at your brother or sister in Christ and you're like Raka, you know, you're like, you are less than, you are not good enough. Or the ways in which you've perpetuated, you know, very sinful realities within the body, you know? And it says, I think if we were to come to a place where we are, you know, where we are brought by the spirit and we ask the spirit, like, bring me to a place of confession and repentance, like reveal to me the sins that my family has committed to such a point that they are a pattern of my life and that they plague your church. And that help us, help us, help us confess and be committed to confessing and repenting of these things for your glory, Jesus. You know, and I think that'd be so helpful. Like I think like to women in our churches, to children, um, to black indigenous people of color, um, to this racial unity, um, to just having unity of like, even just like, in different theological understandings of how to worship you know yeah um like i think that would be so good i mean as people we are predisposed to be like that you're weird please stay away from me but jesus is like well they're weird but they're they're mine you know and and so are you and i think that would be so good for us um, especially in not having a cheap unity but the unity of the spirit just if I can add one more thing, um, but just with the power of repentance, like I think it's powerful and I think it should be powerful and beautiful, even though it's hard and not always wanted, but powerful and beautiful because it's part of what the good news is all about, of that we need Jesus to be able to love others, to be able to hold on to him, to actually be his church, to be part of the body of Christ. And that's such a beautiful thing that like, yeah, repentance sucks sometimes, but it's part of acknowledging who God is and his goodness and his grace and his justice. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Um, So in your experience, what has been one of the challenges that you have had loving and serving the local church? Honest answer, sometimes like the safe policies, those can be a challenge. Um, But a more in-depth answer sometimes you know it is hard it's it's hard of like how can people have like people in local churches um have such different views you know how can we relate to each other how can we say that we love god if we can't love each other um and so that's definitely been a challenge and that's something that god is still working on me to have like grace towards others and grace towards myself um and coming back to the repentance thing again of like, okay, well, I'm in the wrong too. Like, where am I wrong? And I think another challenge is that we, at least in Michigan, Southwest Michigan, we have this culture of, uh, yeah, church is important, but only if it meets my other guidelines and can fit in where I need it to fit in and doesn't really change uh, who I am. Um, and I think that can be a huge challenge. And that's something that I struggle with of how can we not see the goodness of God and how is this not equipping us and moving us to live differently like why do we know so much about God but we're not actually following God and so I think those are some of the challenges I've experienced and that I'm trying to be mindful of to be praying about to really seek God and instead of just being frustrated how about some joys of loving and serving the church joys I love joys one I love my students I love their energy I love um, their willingness to try new things I love getting to know them I love being able to call them up on a Zoom call and them to show me their paintings that they made during the week or their favorite pets that walked by or or something like that. And so with that, like I love their parents and I love my church and I love the church community because that's my church family. 
And so that's a huge joy that even while there's that division and frustration, what a joy to come together, to worship God, to edify each other, to learn together, to repent together. Uh, So that's been a huge joy for me. And I think another joy is just seeing what God is doing. God works in ways that we don't always see, but it's cool when you take the time to reflect on what God is doing. So this past year, uh, my church has been mindful of asking the question, how have you encountered God lately? Um, And the stories that people share range from, oh, well, when I was reading this in scripture, you know, God spoke to me, or it's when I went on a walk, like I was just reminded of God's goodness as I looked at the beauty of creation around me. And so that's been a huge joy of just being able to celebrate together what God is doing and who God is. Um, And then one more joy that I love about serving in and participating in the local church is just this joy of hope and this life um, that during the pandemic, especially like, yeah, we've all had our struggles. We've had maybe even stages of depression and isolation. And yet I've also seen this confident hope this hope that hasn't gone away, this hope that says, this sucks, but God is faithful and he has not left us. And so I think that's been a huge encouragement, um, not just this year, obviously, but like other times too, that we have this joy, we have this hope in God, not because of what we can do or how well we can talk about who God is, but because of who God is and what he has already done for us. Wow. I love it so much. I'm so thankful we're friends um, and that we get to share thoughts and awesome moments like this. Um, okay, so here's the thing. Let's say that, because we've we've both been college students in places where we didn't grow up, we don't have really many connections. So say that you're, if you were in that position again <laughs> and you're looking for a church to attend and be a part of, What are some things that you would say that we need to look for when choosing a church? I think one thing that we need to be looking for is sometimes we hear that like, oh, well, look for a place that you can serve in, which yes, is true. But sometimes we look at that as like, okay, well, this is a chore. Like I have to find the right youth ministry or adult ministry or whatever that I can really plug into that I can use my gifts and talents. But I don't think that should be the main thing that we should be looking for. I think we should be looking for are they rooted in God's word? Are they wanting to live out God's kingdom, even when that means in their own lives and changing how they live through the spirit? Do they have this mindset that, again, that we're in this together, that we are uh, part of each other because of Christ? And then out of that, it's, okay, well, where can I grow in my faith? And where can I encourage others to grow in their faith? Yeah, I think those would be the top things that I would encourage other young adults Um, going away at college to be looking for. And with that, like, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the perfect church. There is no perfect local church, but there are churches who do a great job of being rooted in the word of really seeking God's kingdom and being prayerful about how they live and asking the spirit to change them. And I think those are huge things to be looking for. That way we don't get sucked into, oh, well, this church has really great worship or, you know, this church has a great young adult ministry. You know, a church for you might be really good if it's older adults. Like, what can you learn from them? How can you grow with them? How can you struggle with them? And so I think it comes back to the community aspect. And ultimately, like, are they rooted in the word of God? All right, April, thank you so much for sharing um, your thoughts on, you know, how to choose a church and what to look for when you want to be a part of a worshiping community. Now, my next follow-up question is to say, Are there times when it is ever appropriate or okay to say, this is a local church? 
and I love the body of, of Christ, but I need to leave. And can we do that? Is that okay? I think there are times where, you know, through discernment, through prayer, through having conversations with people that we trust and who can speak truthfully to us, where we're led to, okay, like this church is not for me. Like I, this is not the community that I want to worship with, that I want to struggle with, that I want to grow with, that I want to serve with. And I think that can be a really hard thing. So I don't want to like encourage people to be like, oh, we'll find that one bad thing and leave that church. Um, I think that one, like I want to say, like really spend time praying about it and discerning it. Um, don't make a rash decision just because you were hurt. Not that our hurt feelings are invalid, but we're going to be hurt in some capacity at any church. Because again, the local church is not and will not be perfect. But I would say the things to be looking for on if you feel led that this is not a place for you to grow and to serve and to praise God together. I think one, they're not rooted in scripture. Like that's a huge one. That's not going to be edifying to the big capital C church. And that's not going to be edifying, edifying to you um, or to that community. So here's, here's an idea and you can help me flesh it out a little bit if needed. But sometimes like we can ask the question of, if I stay, what's going to be the impact of that if my heart is full of hate or hurt towards these people? If I stay, am I helping to live out the kingdom of God in this church? Or is it healthier and better for me and the church to go our separate ways? And this is like a response to like having seen that this is just not a place where, you know, it's rooted in the gospel or seeking God's kingdom, right? Right. Yeah, I definitely, I think I can see that tangibly because I think that's a lot of times when like, you know, I've had a lot of friends who are in churches who are like, you know, the gospel is not preached, but I don't know if I can leave. I don't want to make it look like I'm giving up on Jesus. Like I'm not, am I giving up on Jesus if I leave a church that isn't actually seeking him anymore? Like if I've tried my, if I've tried to get involved, if I've tried to, you know, speak with people about getting rooted, about sinking deep into Jesus, but there are stubborn hearts. Am I allowed to say, God, please lead me elsewhere? I'm just like, uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I've, I've been very, very, very thankful. I am very thankful that I've, I haven't had to encounter that, but that doesn't mean that no one else has. And I really appreciate your thoughts and your candor in, in these things and the way that this is a hard decision that has yeah. to come through discernment and discernment means time. And, yeah. and prayer and it's so it's not just like like you said it's not just the one thing because like you said like this side of heaven the church is not going to be perfect um so like if they don't serve the right wafers or if maybe miss patty is overzealous on giving her testimony again or women have to wear certain pants or or skirts or like guys sit somewhere else you know like those things are workable but the non-negotiable is if jesus is preached if the gospel is is shared and i think that's really important for us to remember and take into mind. I would agree with all of what you guys said. Because <laughs> I think that uh, when you come to that point, if anybody isn't at that point, it is a very difficult decision. But just to kind of bring it back to serving the church, there are some people who will say that they don't have any gifts or talents and they don't know how to serve or where to serve. So how do we create spaces for those people and encourage them to serve maybe in ways that they didn't know that they could? And then two, for the people who are serving, how do we keep motivating them to serve, especially when it's difficult and it's hard? I think with the first one of 
you know, they don't feel like they have the gifts or the abilities to do it or that there's no place where they can serve. I would suggest that maybe it starts then with a small group of, okay, well then how do we encourage each other? How do we help each other see how God is at work in you and how he wants to use you and how he wants to call you to be part of his church, um, both capital C church and the local church to serve in that way. Um, so I think it like, it'll take some time, but I think having that relation, relational aspect of wanting them to grow, wanting them to be loved, wanting them to feel like they belong because they do is super important. And I think too, that like, once those relationships are built, you know, that then we can lovingly push back and be like, oh, well, you may not have like the talents or abilities to sing up in front of church, but you sure do seem to love kids or you do sure seem to love flowers. Like you could be part of the flower garden at church and, you know, the landscaping and like finding their other talents on it and like helping them see that, yeah, you have a place here. You have a place where you can serve, where you can be loved, uh, where you can be challenged and where God is using you in both small and big ways. For the second one of how do we encourage and equip those who are already serving to keep serving, especially when it's difficult. Again, I think it comes to, are we praying for those who are serving? Are we praying for our church community? Are we appreciating them? Are we saying like, hey, like when you did this or you did that, like God really spoke to me or God really used this. Like, are we sharing these stories of celebration of what God is doing? I think that can be a huge one because at least for me, when things get tough, like I see only the toughness and I withdraw from people and it's like, a, oh, what was me, your situation. But I think if we're reminding each other what God is doing, that gives us life and that reminds us of the purpose of what we're doing and why we're doing it and how God is at work. And I think that can give us life as we serve, as we connect with others and as we relate with others. I think too, off of that, like um, the local church, like especially like the leadership team, can and should do a better job at appreciating those who are serving in all different ways, um, taking the time to celebrate them, to get to know them, where it's not just like, a, okay, thanks for making this easier. Thanks for doing this. Um, but really like appreciating their gifts and their talents and also making sure that they have a place too where they're being poured into, where they get to experience God's love in a different way where they get to come together with others and weep together or rejoice together. And it's coming back to that community and relational aspect and making sure that there's people around them who have their back and that their value is not based on how well they serve or what they do, but it's based on who they are because of who God is already. Yeah, I love that. Um, And I like what you said about telling people the things that you're seeing in them or especially if to like keep encouraging leaders to just voice those celebrations. I think that, at least in my experience, that can go so far. So I really like what you had to say about that. So um, as we are nearing uh, the end of our conversation, um, April, do you have any words of encouragement for Christians who have yet to just fall in love with the church and the family of God, you know, due to, you know, doubt or selfishness or hurt um, or any plethora of reasons? So two things I would say, one, that as we look at the local church around us, we're not always living the way that we should. And that's really hard and that's really sucky, but that's also not what the church is supposed to be. Like there is room for growth. There is room for God to be at work in us and to lead us and to reshape us. So that way the church is really his people in a relationship with him, uh, where we are loving others 
truly. Um, so I think that encouragement of there is better to come, I guess. But then I guess my other encouragement would be like, I hear you and I'm sorry that um, these things, that these different feelings and experiences of doubt or hurt or whatever the case has pushed you away from really loving the church. So then I would encourage you to maybe grab one or two friends who you know that love God and to build a relationship with them better, uh, to have that be a place where you can struggle together, where, where you can weep together, where you can rejoice together, where you can practice sitting in the presence of God together and start there because these people will love you and they will sit with you and they will walk with you. And ultimately that's what the church is. Um, and we do that because of Christ. And so, yeah, I would just encourage them to find a small group to engage with instead. And then what about to those who are serving um, in a pandemic and are probably very tired and to those who would like to start serving? So those who are serving and are who are tired, who are frustrated, especially with the pandemic and politics and all of that, uh, I would just want to say that they are loved, that God is at work in such beautiful ways, and that though it's tiring and frustrating, the race isn't over. And that can sound discouraging, like, oh, really, I got to keep going. But I really mean that as a way, like, truly wanting to encourage them that the race is not over, and that we know that in the end, God is, God is victorious, but that doesn't mean it's any easier right now. But to push on because of who Christ is, And with that, I would want to say, like, I hope that you have time to rest, to enjoy and to play where you have time to just sit and be still in the presence of God and where you can remember his goodness, even if that means taking a step away for a little bit and just having that time to lament or to cry or to do what is needed, because it's definitely been a tougher year than what most years have been like. And so I hope that that would all come off as encouragement and as loving them and seeing them where they're at and loving them anyway. Uh, For those who want to serve, yeah, I think it comes back to sharing those faith stories, sharing those celebrations of what God is doing and inviting them to join in that process. Um, That it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be complicated. But having that personal invitation and saying like, come along with us, help us to learn about who God is, help us to point to God, use your gifts and abilities that you have And because you are qualified, you are equipped to do this and we're learning together. And out of that, like I would encourage those who are wanting to serve, like if they're not sure where they want to serve or if uh, maybe like me when I uh, was in college of, yeah, I want to serve. I don't know if I'm qualified to serve. I think I would encourage them to reach out to someone that they trust, to have those hard conversations with, to share their feelings with and to be in prayer of, okay, God, so like I don't feel ready but where is it that you are leading me? And to ask others to be praying for you where God can speak to you clearly and where we can understand and where you can be obedient because you've experienced God's love in that way. Yeah, thank you for those encouragements. I've been encouraged. (laughs) And then a question that we always ask all our guests is, do you have any books you would like to recommend for our listeners? Yes, yes, I do. So one book is called uh, Dear Martin by Nick Stone. I read it over the summer and it deals with like justice and racism. It's a fictional book, but it takes us into the story of um, this kid, this black kid who is at a high school and experiences racism there and what that means. And yeah, it was just really encouraging um, because it's really well written, but it also like gives 
some hope in it that like this doesn't have to be the case and that we have a lot of learning to do. Um, so I really enjoyed that book. Another book that I have really enjoyed is uh, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. And that's all about what it means that heaven here on earth already not yet, what it means for the church to live out the mission in the kingdom of God. I've been reading that one throughout this year and that's been like a really hopeful one for me of reminding me what it is our hope is in Christ and what that means. Um, and then one more, just because it was really well written as well. Uh, it was Great Expectations uh, by Charles Dickens that I just got done reading. I read a few of his books in high school, but this one was just really well written and like it had so many things. So I was like, wait, what? That happened? Like I did not see that coming. So that was just a fun one to read. Yeah, <laughs> those are my book recommendations. Thank you for sharing those. Um, we will have them in our show notes as well as on, in, on our Instagram. Um, and then April, where can people find you in terms of social media or online if somebody wants to get connected? Yeah. So on Facebook, I'm just April Sparks, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, and Instagram, uh, April Carly 4 and Carly is K-A-R-L-I. That's about it. Uh, mostly it's just pictures of things that I think are cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, April, for um, being on here with us. And I definitely have enjoyed uh, meeting you and talking with you um, just about loving and serving the church. And uh, it's been a very encouraging discussion. So, yes, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I really enjoyed um, hearing your thoughts um, as well as just sharing this conversation. I feel very encouraged and edified. And I'm so thankful that we get to share that with, with listeners. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Well, good. Thanks for having me. We will have April's information and any related resources in our show notes, as well as on our Instagram. So make sure to follow us there at Let's Break Bread Podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. You can screenshot this episode and share with us on Instagram what your takeaways are. Make sure to tag us at Let's Break Bread Podcast.